I don't think you'd sleep very well if I told you how often people get lost in the woods and never come back. This is Darkness Prevails, the place to share your creepiest true stories with the world, because this world is a strange one. The woods are terrifying. I think they remind mankind of where they came from, where they were once hunted and devoured by greater, more fearsome beasts. Today, I'm going to give you a reminder. These allegedly true stories will show you that stepping into the woods alone might be your greatest mistake. Remember, you can always share your true stories with us with the links in the description. And real quick, here are the first five commenters from my previous video. Creative Kiwi says, Hey Darkness, I love these Christmas videos, but can you please do a walking home video, please? That would be a creepy one. I'll see what I can dig up. Jake Rowan says, Yes, scary holiday stories. P.S. I love your boo thing. I'm scared because I don't know what a boo thing is. Jacobine de Groot says, Daddy Darkness is back. Well, thanks to you guys, I'm writing up that child support check right now. Lillian Henderson says, Yes, I'm ready. I don't think you're ready for this one. And Joey2k35 says, Darkness is the greatest of all time. Greatest at eating grilled cheeses, I can tell you that. Now, throw away your GPS. It's time to get lost in the woods. Number one, there's no coming back from this. Submitted by Connor McMeredith. I don't know why I thought it was a good idea. Forgive my brevity, but I was an idiot. I was that guy, the one who thought going off the grid for a week would be easy, who thought surviving in the woods would be a piece of cake. After being an avid camper for the past three years, I figured it'd be invigorating, a test of the skills I thought I had. My college allowed us a short month-long break sometime during the fall that year, and I had scheduled a week within that month to lose myself in the nearest national forest. All I would bring with me was a jacket, some clothes, and my phone just in case things got bad. What could go wrong? The week finally came. I was well rested after sleeping in the past few days and I made sure to eat a big carb-filled meal before I set out. Now, you need to know, I wasn't actually trying to get lost. I usually had a good head about me when it came to backtracking my way out of the woods. Just remember that. After walking about 90 minutes from the side of a trail in the middle of the forest, I was completely alone, and the sounds of people and hikers were far gone. It was comforting at first. I spent the evening building a triangular shelter between two trees that were close enough together to allow that sort of structure. Next, I found some kindling and made myself a small fire. This took a lot longer than it needed to, and when I was finally figuring out where to get some water, it was hours past dark. This was when the fear set in. The realization of what I was doing 
It started at the bottommost part of my neck, a tingling sensation that urged me to turn around to make sure I really was alone. This bothered me quite a bit, mostly because I had no actual idea why I felt that way. I soon stumbled upon a creek and I knelt down to grab a drink of water. It tasted of bark and dirt. It made me wince a little before I reminded myself that this was what I'd been planning for. Snap. A sudden cracking sound made me jump. In an instant, I was upright again and facing away from the water. The woods were silent. The woods were still. I was alone, yet I felt far from it. Probably just a branch breaking from a tree, I told myself. Nothing to worry about. I memorized the location of the creek, and I set back towards my camp, breaking branches on the trees along the way so as to create a sort of breadcrumb trail. As I walked back, I found that I was much more sensitive to the noises around me than before. Every little sound made my ears twitch. The sounds of fallen leaves, of wind whistling past empty branches. My heart was pounding, and I knew I was afraid. Back at my camp, the fire was beginning to fade. I rekindled it and sat close to my shelter, staring into those flames. My eyes were wide open. I could barely bring myself to even blink. This was the first night and I was already so creeped out that I didn't want to go to bed. But I forced myself into my shelter anyway. I laid my head down in the cool soil and tried to catch some rest. Something awoke me in the middle of the night. Something. Something had grasped a hold of my shoulder. It had reached into my makeshift dwelling and shook me awake. It frightened me so much that I kept my eyes closed and pretended to still be asleep. I began to hear those footsteps around me. They were only a meter away at all times, circling my shelter. Soon, they stopped next to the fire which I was facing. It was in front of me. Slowly, I opened my eyes feeling that I needed to see what or who was out there. At the very least, I should be able to see their legs from beneath the walls of my shelter. But when I opened my eyes, the worst of all my nightmares came true. There was a face shoved into my leafy tint. The white of its eyes were so offset as its skin was as black as the night. That was all I could take in before I was screaming and staggering away from the figure. The moment I had crawled backwards out of my shelter, I saw that whatever had been there was now gone. I was alone once more. As soon as I gathered myself, I threw dirt onto the fire and began to move toward the trail away from these woods. 90 minutes, I whispered under my breath. That's all it would take to get out of here. This was a mistake, I told myself. I never should have come out here. At this point, 
I chalked up the face as a dream, hoping it was but a nightmare invading my reality, maybe from the stress. Now that I was leaving, I was flushed with relief. This would all soon be over, if it wasn't over already. I was going to make it out of this, and I wasn't ever going to come back this way again. As I walked quickly through the leaves and undergrowth, my mind was reeling while I tried to ignore my own thoughts. Then I suddenly stopped. All at once, I couldn't move because something was touching me. Something had run its fingers and apparently sharp nails through my hair. I could feel them scraping against my scalp, cold and slow and deliberate. What was happening to me? Was I going crazy? I couldn't turn around. I couldn't will myself to do much more than breathe. But when I heard the whisper, when I heard the wind-like voice in my ear say, run. run, I listened. My whole body listened. I ran for an hour straight, going four times the speed compared to when I walked into these woods, yet I should have already made it out. I should have already been off the trail I was looking for, getting into my car and driving away, the woods far behind me instead of all around me. Run. The voice kept coming, from the left, from the right, from the distance and right behind me. It was everywhere, and I was crying as I wondered when the dream would end, when I would wake up on my couch, anxious but, but safe. How had I lost my way? This was something that had never happened before, whether day or night. I'd been in the woods enough to know better. Nothing looked familiar. I was lost, and I wasn't alone. Just as I thought I'd perish out there, I tripped and fell nearly face first onto gravel. Gravel. I was back, back on the trail. I picked myself up, hands full of rocks and dry dirt. I ran down the trail, and in minutes, I saw my car in front of me, and seconds after that, I was igniting the engine and burning rubber. As I stopped only for a second to kick it into drive from reverse, to begin my quick and panicked drive home, for that split second, I saw it, the face in my window, inches from my own. I could see the white eyes on darkest night skin, and I could feel the thing smiling. Time slowed to a crawl. It felt like an eternity, my hand hitting the gear shift and my foot plowing into the accelerator. But soon, soon I was gone. I was peeling the gravel off of the road, getting back on the highway, getting back to the people and noise and concrete back home. I didn't dare look back. I'd rather pry off my rear view mirror and throw it on the side of the road than look back. This was my experience. It was the strangest and most terrifying experience in my life. It has scarred me in a way that affects me greatly in my day-to-day -day life. 
I get chills throughout my days. I feel that tingle in the back of my neck. I feel the same textured cold as I felt when I laid there that night, pretending to sleep as that thing encircled me. I've heard of the disappearances in the woods, and I've always wondered what was taking people, who or what was causing those disappearances, but this was different. This thing wanted me out of its woods. I was in its territory, and it wanted me gone. Number two, no way out. Submitted by Nikki and Azale. It was a year ago. I was visiting my cousin in the country. She lived very far away and we rarely saw each other, so we were known to pull some crazy stunts. We were both on the back of a four-wheeler at the time, heading to a small private cemetery just for the fun of it. On the way to the cemetery is a stretch of woods to your left for about half a mile. Something then caught my eye and I told my cousin to stop. There was an opening in the woods, an opening that hadn't been there before that was now right in front of us. What do you think that is? I asked. I don't know. It wasn't there before, my cousin said. And we were both perplexed Confused as to how in the matter of a day, someone made a new path in those woods, one that looked so ancient and well-traveled. Well, should we go in there? That was my next question. I don't know, this feels kind of wrong, my cousin answered. Come on, let's just go check it out real quick. I hopped off the four-wheeler, and my cousin was forced to follow me, although hesitantly. The odd thing about this was that oftentimes my cousin was always the one pulling me into mischief. Usually, she was the strong-headed one, and I was the worried one. But something was pulling me onto that path. Curiosity, maybe, but something told me that I needed to be in there, that I needed to see. I would be lying if I said that there was anything odd as we walked down the path, The forest was a bit quieter than a normal forest should have been, but nothing else really stood out. Come on, Abby, there's nothing here. My cousin pleaded. I sighed, as I was still set on exploring this new strange place. All right, I gave in. Now, during our walk into the trail, our very short walk, it had not curved at all, nor had we taken any other direction besides straight. The trail seemed to go on and on. We had just walked in and traveled for a few minutes, but as we tried to walk out, heading straight back the way we came, the trail seemed to never end. The woods became infinitely distant. I even checked my phone and showed that we had been on this path for a half an hour now. Faith, check this out. I showed my cousin the time and her eyes widened. But that's impossible. We've only been in here for a couple of minutes. I know, I agreed. I turned it off and we kept walking in silence. Several more minutes later, I spoke up, my voice trembling. 
faith. I think we're lost. There's no way we didn't go any direction but straight, she said. Now we were both worried. We just kept walking for what seemed like another quarter of an hour. Faith, we're so lost, I said helplessly. That was when she stopped. Without turning towards me, she shushed me. Hush. What, I said. Did you hear that? I hadn't heard anything, so I shrugged my shoulders. Moments later, however, I did hear a branch snap somewhere in the woods. Abby, Abby, someone's following us. It's, it's probably just a fox, Faith, or some other animal. My cousin shook her head. Suddenly, to our horror, all around us, we began to hear footsteps. Footsteps coming right at us. Without so much as a word, Faith broke into a full-fledged run, and I followed her. She screamed, and I booked it after her, but since she was taller than me, she ran a little faster, and soon I was lagging behind. I was terrified, scared that I'd end up running through an endless forest on my own. But no, as if some higher power answered our mental cries, the woods ended, and we were back on the trail and next to the four-wheeler. We hopped on and floored it back home. On the way, I looked at my phone again. It had been 75 minutes since we went into those woods. Somehow, in a matter of minutes, we had lost over an hour of time. It didn't make any sense. We never really talked about the event again, but the next time we went to the cemetery, we kept an eye out for that trail. We were ready to pass it on the way, ready to pretend that we weren't looking at it or acknowledging that it was there pretending that we weren't afraid to look in its direction. But when we did go back, the trail was gone, as if it had never been there. There were no openings in the woods at all. What happened that day, and where did we go? This episode is sponsored by The Dead Files from Travel Channel. If you're listening to anything on the EerieCast network, odds are you love ghost stories. That's why I think you'll love The Dead Files from Travel Channel. Join hosts Amy Allen and Steve DeShavi as they investigate paranormal activity haunting real people and homes across the US. Each host offers a unique and exciting perspective for every case. Amy is a medium, seeing and speaking to those who are no longer in the world of the living. And Steve is a retired homicide detective who uses public records and witness testimony to piece together the history of the haunted location. Each episode of The Dead Files features a different, real haunting to possibly help the family struggling with its effects. One episode on Falconer, New York, deals with a family who keeps waking up with scratches and bruises. They frequently witness a shadow figure lurking around their home. Amy and Steve receive their call and investigate, with Amy using her strength as a medium to understand who the presence is coming from and why it's so angry while Steve, separately, researches the history of the home, only to discover several previous residents who lived at the home died, confirming Amy's own findings. After their investigation, Amy and Steve must conclude with whether the house is safe to remain in, or if it's time to get out. 
I really love the deferring perspectives and skill sets between the two hosts, and I think that's why The Dead Files is a must-listen podcast for any fan of the paranormal and supernatural. Listen to The Dead Files wherever you get your podcasts. Number 3. The Scariest Thing That Has Ever Happened to Me Submitted by Dave W. I'm a professional security contractor. Most of what I do is setting up security for remote, secure locations in North and South America. I'm basically the guy a company will hire to make sure that its employees are safe whenever the government is not able to get people to a location quickly enough to respond to an issue. For example, when a logging company sends people to work in an area deep in the Amazon, they hire me to make sure illegal loggers, poachers, or other criminals don't come and harm them. Most people don't realize that a lot of illegal loggers are armed, and sometimes they're very aggressive, especially when they might believe they're going to get caught. A few years ago, I got hired to do exactly this. We were very deep in the Amazon, and the company I was working for was clearing an area to be used as a landing site for helicopters, which was how this particular company delivered basic supplies like food, water, and equipment to its employees. This area would become the base camp for the employees. The first day, I went with one of the senior employees to walk in a broad circle around the camp, discussing things like setting up remote cameras in certain locations where to station guards in certain places the employees would have to avoid for their safety. As we were walking, we noticed strips of red fabric on some of the trees near what was to be our camp. This was alarming, because illegal loggers often mark trees like this so that they don't get lost. There were no other legitimate logging operations in the area at the time. The guy I was with wanted me to remove them, but I told him no, that it could be dangerous. You don't want to provoke anyone else who might be out there. The next day, I went back to the area where the marked trees were to investigate a bit further. An area of the ground had a rectangular hole in it. It was about six feet wide and a few feet deep. Nearby, I saw a camouflage net and some tent pegs that had been used to cover it the day before. Someone had hid something in the ground there, and I hadn't noticed it earlier. I looked down into the hole to see that it was nearly full of old backpacks. They weren't all hiking bags or rucksacks like you would expect. Some were children's school bags, some fanny packs like a tourist would wear. Many of them had names in English on them, they were full of personal belongings, such as clothes and trinkets that you would buy as souvenirs, though there were no towns or cities nearby. I took pictures of this and immediately reported it back to base camp. I set up a trap camera looking over the cache of old bags, and then I left. When I got back, I got on my satellite phone and reported this to the local government, who promised to send someone to investigate. They would be there in a few days, 
as the area was not cleared for the helicopters yet and would not be for at least a week or two. That night, we were all on full alert. Guards worked 12-hour shifts and no one was allowed to leave the camp for safety. The loggers worked all throughout the night and we had no problems. The next day, I went to retrieve the trap camera. All the backpacks were gone. My camera had been pulled from its place and smashed into little bits onto the ground. What the, I said. And then I heard the running coming in my direction. It was clearly multiple people, though I couldn't see them through the vegetation. I was armed and ready to defend myself, but I realized I could not run back to the camp, as then I would risk the camp being discovered by these people. I got into cover, and I took aim. My mind was racing, my heart pounding, knowing I was outnumbered, and that I probably wouldn't make it out alive if they saw me. I began to pray, hoping that I would win this game of hide and seek. Suddenly, a man with a machete burst out of the bushes right in front of me. He stared right at me. He took a slow step towards me, but when he saw that I was aiming at him, he smiled and said in plain English, soon, then backed into the bushes. I waited there for an hour and I didn't hear anything else. Making sure I wasn't followed, I steadily went back to camp, reported again what had happened. We decided it was time to abandon the project here and we all hiked to the nearest clearing, eight miles away. There we were picked up by helicopters. We left all the equipment behind. A week later, I returned with a large group of police officers. All of our equipment had been stolen or vandalized. The bags were gone. The worst part was that inside of my tent, a large machete had been staked into a picture of my wife. The guy knew where I slept. They must have been watching our camp the whole time. It turned out this was an active group of the worst kind. People involved in the disappearances of those who were lost in the woods, those who couldn't find their way back, and those who stepped a little too far beyond the tree line. All those backpacks that I saw in that hole, they all used to belong to a person, a person who made one mistake, got lost in these dense forests, and was never seen or heard from again. Number four, Lost in the Woods, submitted by Kai. About a year ago, my family lived in a house basically surrounded by woods and wildlife. I was used to my surroundings, and I thought I knew the woods there like the back of my hands. I often went on hikes out there, daring myself to go further each time. Well, on a certain occasion, I went a little too far, and I soon found myself lost. Usually, my backup was to pull out my phone, and if I really was lost, I could use it as a GPS to find my way back. But this time, my phone had no reception. I'd really gone far, too far. I wandered around in the woods, and the sun was beginning to set. 
so I decided to find somewhere as a shelter, somewhere I could stay overnight. I stumbled upon a din, and I sat at the opening, a small cave with a mouth that overlooked the forest. I sat there wondering, I'd been gone so long, had my family called the authorities already, sent out a search party to look for me. How embarrassing, lost around my own home, and Lord knows how much more lost I've gotten since I couldn't find my way with the GPS. I sat there for a while with nothing to do. It was warm still and there was no need for a fire with that temperature. So I grew bored pretty fast. I turned around and decided to explore further in the cave. About a minute in, I found something strange. There was an old wooden chair scooted partially out from under an old wooden table. They looked ancient, like nobody had used it in a while. They looked weathered beyond their ages. It was definitely weird that someone might be in here hanging out at certain times, but I decided to keep exploring. Only 30 seconds later, 30 seconds past that table, I found an odd wooden chest. The chest was maybe half my size, and I was a grown man, so it was pretty big. Curiously, just as any person would, I decided to open it just to see inside. Who knows what could be in there? Maybe some treasures of some untold variety. As I slowly opened it, the creaking sounds it made scared me. If there was someone out there, someone I didn't want to run into, these creaking sounds would give away my position. I felt like I was in trouble. With every creaking inch, I knew something was hearing me. Something knew I was there. I shook off my paranoia and just opened it. When I saw what was inside, my heart seemed to stop and my stomach sank. Dozens of shoes, all youth and children's sizes, some new, some old, some clean, some not. They came in every shape and size, but all children's sizes. What was this doing here? Why was it here? Before I could freak out or blurt anything in surprise, I heard someone coming in the distance. I threw myself in the chest, struggling to shut it as there were so many shoes inside already. Plus, the smell wasn't too great. Sure enough, I was finally able to close the lid. Then I covered my mouth, tried not to breathe too loud, and I sat there listening. Approaching quickly were the sounds of two sets of different footsteps, both much heavier than my own. And then there was another sound, like someone grunting under a cloth or pillow. That's how I could describe it at the time. Suddenly, there was a thud coming from the entrance of the cave, followed by a loud moan. Yeah, just leave them here, said a voice. All right, now let's get going. And then the two sets of footsteps, now lighter, began to walk away. Several minutes after their sounds had faded, I finally willed myself out of that chest, every little noise echoing in that cave. I stumbled slowly to the edge of the din, watching each and every one of my steps so as to not hit a pebble that would give away my presence. There on the ground was a boy with duct tape over his mouth and his feet were tied together. He began to mumble 
as if pleading me for help. I started to untie his shoes, but then I faced him and looked him in the eye. Adrenaline pumped through me, and I put my finger over my mouth. You have to stay quiet, okay? You can't say a word when I take off this duct tape. If you want to live through this, stay silent. He nodded quickly and frantically. I threw off the rope that remained, and I steadily peeled off the duct tape, though I couldn't save him from the sting of it. Together, without a word, we began our journey through the woods, and I kept my eyes out, ready to see those men at any time. Luckily, we never stumbled upon them. By early morning, we made it out of the woods, and I was right. My family had called in a search party. There were police cars there and people with flashlights scanning the surrounding woods. I slowly made my way cautiously up to one of the searching officers, and I told him everything. I pointed him in the direction of that den, and I told him everything that we had found. Now that I was safe, and they had someone who had been lost in custody, they went back into the woods behind us and searched for the den. We took the boy inside, made him some hot soup and tea, and tried to keep him comfortable, though mostly he just sat in silence, too afraid to speak, too in shock to eat. Hours later, the police came back to our house, and they had something to tell us. This was the most worrisome part of all. They did find the din, but there was no trace of the wood chair, the wood table, the wooden chest, let alone any shoes. But, they said, there was an obvious sign of someone clearing out the place, signs that someone had left in quite the hurry. So now we know. Now we get to live with the thought that those men are still out there. They're still at large, still searching for the next set of shoes to add to their collection. I've gotta say kudos to everyone who submitted these stories. You've actually scared me pretty good with these. That hasn't happened in months. But maybe that's because I live in a state that's mostly woods, and I only have to walk a few feet to be in the very same position as the people in these stories. What might happen to me if I go too deep in the woods? Would I ever come back? Good night. Be sure to like, share, comment, and subscribe if you enjoyed the video. And don't forget, you can always send me your true stories with the links in the description. Thank you all for listening. Stay safe out there, and stay creepy. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match, with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites 
according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. 